0: All right, we'll be in the book of Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter number 24, Proverbs chapter number 24, and it is uh, good to be back with you tonight in the service. I don't normally miss a uh, Sunday. Uh, I usually miss for our family vacation or unless there's something uh, uh, certainly unusual, and uh, we ap- I appreciate the opportunity to be away. Uh, certainly, it was a uh, enjoyable time for my family, a very monumental time. Uh, and not just in our, I believe for our church, I believe for that ministry, but certainly for our family, uh, the the opening of the Amanda Ranch after naming after our daughter. Uh, but as I've I've expressed to to a few who were able to be there, uh, it was that's a good 15 years of my life uh, that I've invested. What I believe that the Lord. Uh, had in that ministry and so I'm thankful for all the support in that and the opportunity to be away Uh, now looking forward to what the service has for us tonight so I got a lot of preach build up in me so uh, we'll be out in a couple hours so uh, looking forward to no we'll we'll not be too too long Uh, you don't seem like you're in the mood for it so uh, we'll uh, uh, just uh, give do what the Bible give go over a few things the Bible has for us but uh, I, I do appreciate the opportunity to be away and those that uh, take care of all the things to keep things moving forward, and so gives me great comfort. It gives me the ability to get away from time to time, uh, knowing that everything is is taken care of. And I'm also reminded how many people watch our live stream uh, from around, uh, not just around the country, but around the world. Uh, a lot of people watch our live stream. I get I get comments about that all the time. And uh, uh, usually when I'm not there, there's a lot of complaining that goes on. That's 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 what I get. Um, I, I'm I pray for Mrs. Bob Gray. Uh, I talked to uh, Dr. Bob Gray Sr. this afternoon. She's in the hospital uh, this evening. But uh, one of the first things he said to me, he said, my wife is not happy with your assistant pastor. And, and I said, uh, which one, knowing which one it was. Uh, and she said he's, he was home with her on Sunday and said he, they turn on the live stream like they do. And Mrs. Gray looks and says, that's not Brother Neal. Turn it off. So, so, uh, so he, so I, I, I turned it off, but uh, no, um, he said I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I didn't, but uh, anyway, uh, I am thankful for, for, for the good staff that we have and, and all of you. All right, hopefully you found Proverbs chapter number 24. We're going to begin by reading verse 17 and 18. And we will turn to another chapter in the, in this book as we continue in our series on the people of Proverbs. Let me remind you, uh, this series because it has been some time, we're taking a different character in the book of Proverbs and uh, looking at that character. Uh, tonight we're going to look at uh, a a negative one, if you will. Uh, but what we found out, I hope we just to remind us we found out about the good and the bad characters. That if we're not careful, we can become either weak, we we can become the bad just as much as we desire to be the good. Uh, I want to be a wise man, don't you? Uh, I can say there have been times in my life when I've been wise. Why? Because it was just instilled to me at birth? No, because you take the instruction of the Word of God and you operate on it, it makes you wise. But I think we'd all have to say there's been times we've been a fool too. And so in dealing with these characters, we want to know about them. So in the case of using a fool as an example, we don't become one. But then if we encounter one, we know how the Bible says we should deal with that individual. Same is true of a, a one that we want to be. We want to know about them so that we can become them and know how to interact. And so, again, we're going to look at this this evening. Proverbs 24, uh, read along with me, verse 17 and 18. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not, let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it. And it displeases him, and he turn away his wrath from me. Verse 17, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Tonight, we're going to be dealing with thy enemy. Dealing with thy enemy. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we pray tonight uh, that the word of God would be real to us. May the instruction, uh, may it fall in our hearts, may we instill it in our life. And may the Holy Spirit teach us tonight. May we look at this with open hearts, with open minds. Father, we all need this. We all need to apply this. I pray that we would do so. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have some very pointed instruction uh, as we look at the the subject of an enemy. Uh, An enemy is not mentioned very often in the book of Proverbs. We're going to look in two of the three places that the word enemy is mentioned tonight. Uh, And uh, it's going to tell us, though, uh, in those two passages, I have several things that I want us to get to when it comes to dealing with thine enemy. Let's first define what we mean by enemy. Just like we use a lot of words in our English language, they have a lot of different definitions uh, depending on the mood we're in or depending on who's using them. But I want us to look at it from the Bible perspective tonight of the word enemy, a foe, an adversary. One who hates another and wishes him injury or attempts to do him injury to gratify his own malice or ill will. Did you get that definition? Yeah. A foe, an adversary. One who hates another and wishes him injury. not just somebody who opposes. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul as he writes those, those churches have, if I become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Right. What, a, what, a, what, a, what a dangerous thing. What a horrible thing for for a teenager to say, my mom and dad are my enemy. The pastor's my enemy. You mean the pastor has ill will and wants to do evil to you? You mean your parents have ill will and want to do evil with you? That's the definition of an enemy. It's a foe. It's an adversary. One who hates another and wishes him injury or attempts to do him injury to gratify his own malice or ill will. I'll make a few statements and give an illustration uh, by way of introduction, and then we'll uh, jump into the outline tonight. The relationship of an enemy is similar to that of a friend in this regard. I can be your friend whether or not you are mine. We've taught many weeks on friendship and what a fr- dealing with a friend. A friend is not, I'll be your friend if you'll be my friend. Uh, that's, you know We should have left that in third grade, but sadly, many times as adults, we don't. I can be your friend whether or not you're my friend. That's the way we should approach friendship. Being an enemy is similar in the regard I can be your friend, whether or not you're mine. Likewise, I do not have to be your enemy because you are mine. We don't have to make somebody else our enemy because they have made us theirs. This making sense? And I don't have to wait for you to be my friend before I decide to be your friend. And if I decide to be your friend, then I'm going to be your friend. But we need to understand that in life you will encounter those who have determined to be your enemy. If I decide to be your friend, there's nothing you can do about it. If I'm really your friend, if you're mean to me, I'm still going to be your friend. If I'm really your friend and and you disappoint me, I'm still going to be your friend. If I decide to be your friend, there's nothing you can... Now, don't confuse friendship and fellowship. But if I decide to be your friend, there's nothing you can do about it. Likewise, if somebody decides to be your enemy, there's nothing you can do about it. Oftentimes, a Christian will compromise with an enemy, hoping that they won't be their enemy. But you've got to realize what an enemy is. An enemy is a foe is an adversary, one who hates another and wishes him injury or attempts to do him injury or to gratify his own malice or ill will. So if an enemy, if somebody decides to be my enemy, well, there's nothing I can do about that. And we spend a lot of time trying to to, to compare friendship and being a friend and an enemy. Oh, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? Most of the time, well, it's a waste of time. Don't be my enemy, don't be my enemy, don't be my enemy. Now, we don't go out looking for enemies. We shouldn't. But there are going to be, you're going to encounter those. Why why, why is that? There's many reasons for this. Envy in the heart of a man will make him an enemy of that which he envies. Unforgiveness turns somebody into an enemy. Bitterness. How is it that some had sweet fellowship? I think of David and those that had sweet fellowship with him then became his enemy. Why? Because they let bitterness get in their heart. If you get bitter even by something that I do or say, that's not on me. That's on you. We go through life, well, I'm just bitter, and and now there's so many people bitter at Bible-believing churches and Bible-believing parents and and have made the church their enemy, made the Bible their enemy, made made, made the pastor their enemy, made their Christian parents their enemy because there's some offense. Now, the offense may or may not have happened, but if you're bitter, that's on you. There's unforgiveness. There's bitterness are some reasons. Now, an enemy, and, and to the point, I can't, control what's in somebody else's heart i can't change what's in somebody else's heart so if somebody decides that they are going to be my enemy or your enemy there's many reasons i mentioned some an enemy is driven and by the way if somebody just doesn't like your personality that doesn't mean they're your enemy Oh, Lord help us, it's the holidays. Do we have to spend any... That doesn't mean they're your enemy. Maybe you can't cook. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't mean they're your enemy. But an enemy is driven by hate. Driven by anger. They're driven by those things and their actions are revealed in their desire to harm hurt or destroy they're driven by that hate and they reveal themselves in their action by the desire to harm hurt or destroy let me say this let me give you a perspective from my perspective of an enemy i do not think that everybody who disagrees with me is my enemy there are some say i just i you know i just don't like the way you do this I, if you disagree i don't think you're my enemy You can disagree with me, and you and I can get along great. You know, if if you like going through life wrong, that's that's up to you. There's a lot of people who disagree with me and disagree with me on things, and I still consider them my friend. There's a difference in that, in those who disagree, and they're driven by hate. They're driven by anger. And it's revealed in their actions. Anytime they can hurt me, they'll hurt me. That's an enemy. Not everybody, that's what I say. If you disagree with me, you don't, you don't have to, we don't have to be enemies. Is this making sense tonight? It's revealed in that desire. So if you don't hide behind that, if, if, you, if you're going to be an enemy, don't hide behind a disagreement. It's it's what you do, what are you driven by? To illustrate, let me give you a lengthy illustration here. I've determined to be a friend to my friends. My actions toward them are driven by love. There have been times, if you'll permit me to use these illustrations, I've driven hours in the midst of a friend's sorrow just to knock on the door to say, I love you, I'm sorry, and I leave. I leave. I've sold possessions to give to a friend in need. I've put my own well-being at risk to stand by a friend. Why would I go to those links? And you all could testify to this as well. Because my friendship is driven by love. That's what a friend is. I use that illustration because it's the other side of a coin with an enemy. An enemy is not driven by love, but is driven by hate, ill will, and evil. Just like I use those illustrations of things I would do for my friends, you would do it for your friends as well. Why are you putting yourself up? Because I'm driven by love to my friends. Why, why are you going through those, those, those uh, all, all of that? Because I, I'm driven by love towards my friends. An enemy is driven by the opposite. He is not driven by love, but is driven by hate, ill will, and evil. An enemy will go to great lengths to harm the one they hate. An enemy will sacrifice his health and wealth in an attempt to destroy another. You would probably not believe this, but I have enemies. I have an enemy, and this church does too. They don't like our stand that we took several years ago against the Woke Me Too movement. And they've, he's sworn to destroy me. I know you find that shocking. He has members of his church and preacher friends who watch our live stream, hey. <laughs> who peruse our social media. Whenever I, I mention that a missionary is coming, they contact that missionary and First try and warn them and then try to bully them and then try to call their supporting churches and get their support dropped. So when, you, when a missionary comes here, they want to be here. It, I could not imagine the energy that that takes. Instead of going the extra mile out of love... An enemy goes the extra mile driven by hate. I use that as an illustration because it's an easy one to use, but you, we, homes are destroyed by one family member becoming an enemy to the rest of the family. You can disagree as family, but when you try and hurt family... Out of bitterness and anger, and you can have the last same last name and still be an enemy to your family. You could have grown up in this church and still be an enemy. Well, they grew up here. That doesn't mean they're not an enemy. And that's a hard. Why is this important? It's important because you and I must define things as the Bible defines things. And just because you decide to be an enemy to me or this church or you could put yourself in there doesn't mean I have to be your enemy. But it is, reveals itself out of what is driven by. Instead of going the extra mile out of love, we go the extra mile, an enemy goes driven by hate. Now, this, I could probably stop right now, I'm not going to, and this is probably help us because we understand. A disagreement, and this would help us as, as God's people, just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean they're your enemy. Now, I'm the pastor of this church, and I think everybody ought to agree with me. But you're not going to. And if, if, if it's Bible, you're not agreeing with me anyway. You're, you're either agreeing with the Bible or you're not agreeing with the Bible. Well, there's sometimes, there's decisions I make, there's things that I, you know, that I decide we're going to do, so I just don't agree. Okay, I'm fine with that. But, you know, don't sow discord about it. Don't, don't try to do things out of ill will, and then you become an enemy. We have to be very careful of that. That's why when you get offended by a brother, deal with that. Why don't we grant, and I'm going to preach on this after the first of the year, charity, grace. They wrong me. Forgive them. This would keep us many times from becoming enemies. Now, what does Solomon say to his son? when it comes to dealing with the enemy. Now, I don't want to become, now, I'm an, I, I want to say I'm an enemy to the devil. But in context, we're talking about that enemy who's trying to do harm and do evil. There's a difference in standing for what we believe. I just stand for what I believe in. But when you're trying to do evil to somebody and harm somebody, you're not standing for what you believe in. You're using that as cover for your hate and your envy and your bitterness and your anger and your disappointment. Those actions, there's a lot of people say, oh, Brother Neil, I'm your friend. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, mm, I'm not so sure about that. Your actions, I know what you said to so-and-so about me that God would qualify that as evil. mm, That's probably in the category of an enemy. So how do we treat them? How do we deal with them? All right, you with me? Only have eight. Number one, look at verse 17 again. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Number one, to gain pleasure in another's fall is forbidden by God. Remember when I said at the beginning, I can be your friend whether you're my friend or not. You can decide to be my enemy. That does not mean I have to be yours. And I'm, I'm human like you are. I do my best to those that I'm your, okay, fine, be my enemy, whatever. I've, I've got other things that I want to do with my time and energy. I don't have to be your enemy. And that brings me to again to say, number one, to gain pleasure in another's fall is forbidden by God. If I take pleasure in my enemy's fall, then I'm their enemy. That is forbidden. We often, and we need an awakening and revival amongst God's people of how we treat people when they stumble and they fall and, and they fail. And we rejoice in that. You know why? Because it makes us feel better. It makes us look better. So aren't you thankful that that enemy that that, that you had, they stumbled and fell? Well, God says, don't rejoice in that. When you hear that, and through the years, I I have had that report brought to me, and I've tried to be very careful with that. Because if somebody is doing evil, and you are trying to do the work of the Lord, and they are going to try and hinder that, God will deal with that. And any time God deals with a situation, boy, that ought to humble us. You know, the, we've taught in this series on the scorner and the evil and, and all, all of those, and how those eventually their devices are going to catch up with them. And there is a fall coming. But to gain pleasure in others' fall is forbidden by God. Number two, let's add verse 18 to Verse 17. Let not that heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it. And it displease him. We need to be reminded that there's some things that displease the Lord. And he turned away his wrath from him. Now, God, man, there's, there's some things I could point out that, that just, just don't, just runs counter to intuitive to what we believe in our churches and things that we put on one level and, But God puts something on a different level that we just kind of wink at. And that evil, God doesn't wink at. And God is going to deal with that. But look what he says. He says, if you rejoice when your enemy falls and stumbles, he's going to turn his wrath away from him to you. Number two, to be glad when the enemy stumbles or falls reveals a lack of humility on our part. To be glad when the enemy stumbles or falls reveals a lack of humility on our part. Anytime somebody falls, it ought to break our heart. Yes, right. Well, you don't know what they said about me. Doesn't it's what, it about you now? On, it's about you. No, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about them. It's about the Lord. To be glad when thy enemy stumbles or falls reveals a lack of humility on our part because we all ought to have the humility and the mindset. Just, man, if it, it, who 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 are we? What am I? You know, we put ourselves up on a pedestal. My, my sin is not as bad as their sin. Um, humility plays a big part in this. Number three i remind you of verse 18 again. We've read it several times. Lest the Lord see it and displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Number three, to gain joy at the fall of thine enemy is to cause displeasure with God. If other people's suffering makes you happy, God is not pleased with that. Now, rest assured, if you're trying to serve the Lord and somebody's trying to stop you from serving the Lord, God's going to deal with that. Rest assured, those who... Set themselves up as an enemy of a church that's just trying to keep people out of hell. God's going to deal with that, but they're a Baptist too. God's still going to deal with it. It displeases Him, but to gain joy at their fall displeases God. We remember that. Our purpose is to please and satisfy God, not defeat our enemy. We need to be reminded of that. God's people should be militant in what we believe. I've preached it to you. I'll say it again. I'll fight for this Bible. I believe with God as my helper. I'd die for this book. That's, a, that's the adversary, the devil. Well, We, we ought to take a, be militant in our fight and our stand against him. We'd have a lot less problems if we were. But maybe we should be less militant against those that are just trying to destroy us. Oh, I know, this, is, this, this goes over like a lead balloon in, in today's climate. It, is, is, is God helpless? I still say charity in the day we live in will do more. God's love. Now, I'm not saying compromise. Compromise. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Our purpose is to please and satisfy God, not defeat our enemy. I will fight a position because I'm commanded to fight that position. I'll stand in the gap because God uh, commands me to stand in that gap. A byproduct of that is to oppose the enemy. But I'm doing it not just to oppose that enemy. I'm doing it primarily to please God with the role that I'm supposed to play, with the life that he's given me, that needs to stay our priority is to please him. God will help us fight our enemies. Sometimes, the Bible illustrates this, sometimes you put a rock in the sling and God uses that. Sometimes you go in the battle and God gives the victory. Sometimes you just march around the city and God destroys the whole city. Either way, the primary focus is to obey God and please Him. So, to gain joy at the fall of an enemy is to cause displeasure with God because our only goal is to defeat, is is to please God, not necessarily to defeat our enemy. Number four, look with me, chapter 25. Chapter 25. This is good. because we, we, we need to be reminded what the bible says about who's a friend, who's an enemy, who's evil, who's a fool. What you know, what is what is wrong, what is right? Cuz a lot of what we have as a status quo is not really bible. Look at me at verse chapter 25 verse number 21 and 22. If thine enemy be hungry, starving. No, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. That give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Can I just say this, and not to open up a can of worms. I'll open it in the future if God has me to. The churches like ours who believe the Bible, preach, stand where we stand. We are not mean-spirited because we believe in salvation by grace. We are not mean-spirited because we believe God's book is perfect. We're not mean-spirited because we believe we ought to be separated from the world. We're not mean-spirited. But I think sometimes we are mean We're not mean-spirited about that, but we are sometimes mean-spirited because we do unto others as they do unto us. That's not what a Christian is supposed to be. And Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, is giving his son instruction on how to deal with those who've said, because of who you are, because of your position, you've encountered somebody in life who just says, I'm going to be your foe, I'm going to be your adversary, I'm going to do evil with you. This is what you do to them, son. Go get even because you're the king's son. No, that's not what he says. He says, if thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Number four, when things get bad for your enemy, do them good. You want me to just stop right now and go home? Forget the others. When things get bad for your enemy, do them good. Well, oh, bless God, I'm, I'm a King James Bible-toting, fundamental independent Baptist. Me too. Well, how do you treat your enemies? If we're, if, if you know, there's more to it than just having your ID card. Let's talk about real Christianity. When your enemies got it bad, Solomon tells his son, "Do them good." Pastor, I can't. I just can't do that. Well, we're be, we're told to do it. And if you haven't dealt with your own unforgiveness, and if you haven't dealt with your own bitterness, and if you haven't dealt with your own bad spirit, or should I say you, we haven't, we're going to have a hard time doing what we're commanded to do. So when things get bad for your enemy, do them good. Number five, when the consequences of their hate and evil are realized, we are in a position to now do our enemy good. When the consequences of their hate and evil are realized, we are now in a position to do our enemy good. If somebody who knows the Lord sets themselves up as, an, as your enemy, somebody in your family, sadly people get bitter and angry and, and they, they take it out on family and, 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 and church and individual, just, just however that enemy is applied. Does God love them too? Did Jesus die for them too? Does God want them to be in fellowship with Him? So He's going to deal with them. And there are consequences to that hate. There are consequences to that evil. And when those consequences come, you know what's going to happen to that person who's trying to hurt you or hurt the family or hurt the cause of Christ, they're going to find one day they're hungry. Because it hadn't worked out how they imagined it was going to work out. That's why young people don't listen to those who have left and they criticize and they try and hurt. If you don't want to be a member here, that you, you, it's a free country. But on your way out, don't try and burn the place down. Like, I like Target better than Walmart. I'm going to burn Walmart down. Don't just go to Target. If God's moving me out here, God ain't telling you to burn the place down. As a matter of fact, if God told you to leave, He ain't telling you to tell somebody else to go with you. Hello. But if, if that's, if, go ahead. But it's not going to work out if you become an enemy. Pastor, you just don't want anybody. There are people who have left this church and go to another church. Sometimes I wish they were still here. Sometimes I'm glad they're not here. I'm still their friend. But if you're going to get on the Internet and talk bad about my people or you're going to get on the phone and talk bad about my people or my staff, it's a little bit different situation. You've set yourself up as an enemy. I'm saying that to say the time is coming when it's not going to be as good because God's not going to bless that. And when that happens, this is how the typical, and I'm being stereotypical tonight, the, the typical Baptist says, let's rejoice in it. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? It's just as wrong for you to get on the phone and spread its truth, the gossip, about an enemy who falls as it is for the brother or sister that sits next to you on the church pew. Because when that happens, instead of rejoicing, We ought to think they're going to be hungry. God needs somebody to feed them. They're going to get thirsty. It's my opportunity to give them something to drink. Hey, I'm just I'm just telling you what. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says tonight. When the consequences of their hate and evil are realized, we are in a position to do our enemy good. Just like that enemy's heart's going to be revealed by their actions, our heart is going to be revealed by our actions. Let me give you number six. Why do we do this? Because verse 22, for thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Now, some have joked about this and certainly it's like, yeah, bless God, I'm going to buy them something to eat because then I get to dump those coals on their head. That's probably, no, not just probably, that's the wrong motivation. But number six, when we reward our enemy with good, when they have given us evil, we bring shame and discomfort to them. That can be summed up in one word, conviction. We don't do that to show that we're better than them. We do that because that's what Jesus would do. Matter of fact, every one of us did evil to him. And he only laid down his life for us. He only allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. He only took upon himself the sins of all men, including yours and mine. So when he had the opportunity to do good, To those who had done him evil, he readily laid down his life. So when we reward our enemy with good, when they have given us evil, we bring shame and conviction. Wait, number seven. I've I've got a couple, I've just got eight tonight. Did I say eight or 18? I can't remember. (laughs) Number seven, God rewards us with good when we reward the evil of our enemy with good. Goes right into number six. I read that verse again. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. As as people, as humans, we have a desire in us. If we show something to you, we want, we desire to have that shown to us. If I feel a certain way about you, we, we have a we have something inside of us, and we don't. We and there's nothing wrong with feeling this way. It's the way God created us. We don't want to have enemies. If you want people to hate you, there's. You need some. You need some professional help. But there's something inside of us. I want them, but but you have to look at the right through the right perspective. We want to reward. We want God. Yes, I want to be at peace with every man. If a man sets himself up and says, "I'm going to be your enemy," I do not have to be his enemy. My focus is not going to be on him. My focus must be on the Lord. Why? Because I don't want to get bitter. I want to give forgiveness. I want to be ready to extend grace where I can extend grace. And besides, when you ignore them, it drives them crazy. But God rewards us with good. when we reward our in, the evil of our enemy with good, the enemy, a, the true definition of an enemy, not somebody who just disagrees with you, but that true definition, they're doing you evil. Our, our, our flesh says, "I'll do evil back to you." Then the Bible says something. To the effect of, if we have the ability to do for someone, and I know I'm not quoting it directly, don't we have the responsibility to do it? If I can do good to you and I withhold that, don't I have a responsibility? If I'm going to reflect Christ... It's more than just wearing a bracelet that says WWJD. It's more than just having a t-shirt that says Father of Christ or hashtagging it. It's when your enemy is in need. What would Jesus do? Well, I'll tell you what he did. He died on the cross for them. He extended forgiveness to them. He didn't just do that. He didn't just, there wasn't just an absence of retribution. There was a gift of eternal life if they choose it. God rewards us with good. We reward the evil of our enemy with good. We need to take the, if I could say it like this, we need to take the evil out of our pocket to throw back at those that send us evil and just get God's goodness. Now, I'll say this, and I've given this advice so many times over the last many, many weeks person you're trying to send that grace to has to be willing to let you extend it. So don't leave here tonight and that person who's been trying to kill your family, call them, hey, come over for some coffee. That's not what I'm saying. They have to be willing to let you extend it. But when God deals with them and when they're hungry and when they're thirsty and when they've fallen, the hope is that there's some humility in their heart you and I in Christ's stead can extend some grace to them. Extend some mercy to them. Reward with good the evil that's been done. And when that happens, you know who rewards us? God does. This is the point, this is the point I want to get to very quickly and I'll go to number eight. Don't look for the reward from the enemy. Well, when you were down, in spite of what you did to me, I was good to you. Can we be best friends now? You're going to be disappointed. Well, that means now they'll never mistreat you. You're going to be disappointed. The right perspective. There There might be a love in my heart and a goodness that comes from God that I want to be a help. But my true focus must be on my God. Understanding that he expects me, no matter what I feel about this person, if they're hungry and I can feed them, feed them. If they're thirsty and I can can give them a drink, I do it. Then God will reward me, not them. Now, if they do, that's a bonus. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it because I'm commanded to do it. A byproduct, then, is I'm doing it for that individual. Number eight. This sums it all up. Are you ready? To treat thy enemy correctly requires you to empty yourself of all pride. When I say you, I mean me too. I mean all of us. To treat thy enemy correctly requires you to empty yourself of all pride. Think just for a moment, every point that I've made in the verses of Scripture that I've read, if in your mind it was like, well, but, oh, you don't understand. You know what that is, talking? That's my experience, Pastor. Oh, no, we can, we can compare those experiences anytime you want to. But let me just sum it all up. You know what that is? That's our pride. I know what the, I know what's being said, but you don't know how bad I got hurt. God doesn't put any disclaimers in there. That's like God saying, okay, I'm sending my son to die for everyone except those who really hurt me bad. Which is the biggest irony in the world. We set ourselves up as enemy to our parents, Christian parents, enemy to the church where he got saved, and then we hashtag God loves everybody. It it makes no sense. Or I'm just angry at this. What what happened? What if we're really modeling Jesus as we say we are? It shows in how we treat our enemy. You know what it requires? It requires us to empty ourselves. Here's some practical advice, and we'll pray and be dismissed. It'll take me a few minutes to give this practical advice, but maybe we should pray more. You know why somebody, I've used this illustration a couple of times, so I'll just, I'll just stick with the illustration. You know why somebody would set themselves up as the enemy of the church where they got saved, where their family got saved, where they got the education, where they, got, they met their spouse so many You know why they would? Pride. But maybe instead of us praying, Lord, just just pray. Deal with their pride. Maybe we should pray first to deal with our own pride. I believe this to be true. There's a lot of God's children who are just as saved as you and I are. That if we would live verses like these, there could be some restoration. There could be some reconciliation. I'll be the first to admit to you, it hurts my pride when somebody tramples on the sacrifice that I've made as the pastor of this church. You know what I have? You know who I need to deal with before I deal with anybody? I need to deal with me. Because if I'm not careful, I can set myself up as the enemy. I don't, I, don't like, I don't like what's going on in our nation. I don't like what's going on with our politicians. I don't like what's going on with so many things in our country. But I have to remind myself, yes, I must preach the word of God. I must stand firm on the truth. I must not have an ounce of compromise in position. But I must not treat them as the enemy, per se, outside of how this book says I'm to treat them. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. The, they're, they're, the devil's out there. He's coming for your children. He's coming for, for decency and all that. He's our enemy. I'm not saying we're not fighting him. I'm not saying we're not standing for the things we ought to stand for, but I think you get the context tonight. Now, the, some, and a whole other message that's not found in the book of Proverbs is, is there are, because I am a preacher of the Word of God, I am the enemy. And I'll wear that label proudly. But that's not the context in what we're talking about tonight. So I have an enemy. Well, there's so many quotes of different statesmen through the years. "If you have an enemy, it means you're probably doing something. Let's be careful because we can become the enemy to people we love, people who've invested in us, to the right things. How's that happen? Our pride? The only way we can do what has been taught tonight is if we empty ourselves. I don't ever want to be the pastor. Somebody comes and says, I want to to make some things right to be the way. Well, you don't know how much pain you caused me. Pastor, you don't know how much damage they caused. I, I might. But if somebody is truly, if God's truly dealt with somebody, you can't overlook how God says we're supposed to respond. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And I want my response to others to please him. I, I could, some of my enemies, I could deal very well with them. Some who have shown themselves all it would take is one session from behind this pulpit. I could do very well in defending myself. That's not, but it's not my pulpit. It's not about me. and That's why when Christmas dinner comes around, you think twice before, standing up on the dining room table and setting things straight. Because how would Christ have us respond? All I'm saying is God's perfectly capable. I want God to deal in the heart. I want God to do the work. See, Pastor, have you ever fed anybody who was your enemy? Yeah. I have. How did it make you feel? Honestly, it made me feel really, really good because I believe he is pleased by that. Now, I can't tell you, I've done it every time I should have done it, because my pride has not always been where it should be. Hey, let's deal with our own pride so that we can deal with others. Father, help us tonight.